Hey friends, it's Nikki Thompson, and I am so excited to be back on the show here with Rick Flynn talking just a little bit about my book, Fifty Shades of Truth, but mostly about my story of freedom from a life of bisexuality. I'm so glad you're back, and I can't wait to dive in with you. You're listening to Rick Flynn. With a shout out from London Town, it's Rick Flynn Presents... Now, ladies and gentlemen, your MC for the affair, Rick Flynn. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Guess what? Nikki Thompson has returned. And yes, I've cleaned out my email box. There are no more letters or notes or anything in my incoming email. And that's because I know I'm going to hear worldwide how crazy I am. And Nikki, they're going to bring you in on that. And they're going to send me all these emails because you believe Nikki Thompson, that you have been delivered from absolutely from homosexuality without a shadow of a doubt you have without been delivered you you remember that old gospel song i'll bet you you do it says just a closer walk with thee have you ever heard that you know i don't think i have it's and called I, just a closer walk it. with thee you took a closer walk with thee and as a result of your encounter with the love of Christ in your life, you were delivered, you say, from homosexuality. Now, true or false? That's absolutely true. Okay. Now, before my email box gets filled up, I'm not only going to welcome you to the show today and say how delighted we are to have you back, and I invited you back based upon a stellar performance that you did the last time you were here. In fact, I wanted to continue it and turn that into two different separate and complete different shows, but you did not have the time at that moment, so we booked you on again. This is a completely different day, a completely different appearance, and tell the audience listening how many of the questions you are about to answer today that you and I have discussed in the past. Let them know the truth, Nikki. Tell them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, the main one, or the main two, just like you just asked, have I been delivered? Do I know that for a fact? Absolutely. But the other one that's so controversial is that I wasn't born this way. I personally did not have same-sex attractions as a little girl. I had children by men whom I was very attracted to and therefore slept with them. And um, after my separation and divorce from my husband, in my drug addiction and in my loose living, sleeping around, sexual immorality, whatever you want to call it, I found myself watching pornography and was indoctrinated into homosexuality through lesbian porn, point blank. It was something that was cultivated on the inside of me from our society, from the acceptance, from the tolerance, from the push, the push of homosexuality. 
I had never had lustful lesbian thoughts. In fact, in my book, I can pinpoint a moment when I was 20 and a guy who happened to be um, gay had said, hey, why don't you give girls a try? They won't break your heart and cheat on you the way guys do. And I looked at him and I said, that is disgusting. There is no way I'm sleeping with a girl. And he said, and I quote, it's the same end result. And five years later, divorced, brokenhearted again, watching lesbian porn, that thought started to bear fruit. Well, it's the same end result. And I eventually encountered my very first girlfriend and had several girlfriends in my um, drug addiction. And um, as we talked about on the last episode, I've been freed from that. So, you know, there's two very controversial things that people say cannot happen. They'll say I wasn't a lesbian or I wasn't a bisexual in the first part, first place. I can assure you I was a fully functioning lesbian, bisexual, whatever you want to call it, um, because I was deceived. But I can also assure you that I have been delivered from it. I have 16 and a half years faithfully happily remarried to my first husband. There's been no sexually acting out. We have a monogamous, committed relationship with one another, and we're thriving. We're drug-free. We're, you know, we try to live to the best of our ability the way God desires us to live, and that means dying to our flesh daily. Are there things that I, in my flesh, might want to do that are unhealthy or toxic? Absolutely. I am a fallen human being. However, I make the choice each day to try to die to that flesh. And for me, it simply just means that I'm, I'm becoming a better version of myself each and every day. Right. Well, you were correct earlier when you said that you and I, at the end of your first appearance on this program, when I invited you back on, we discussed, number one, were you born gay? Do you believe you were born gay? I told you I would ask you that. And then the second question was, were you delivered from a life of homosexuality? I said I was going to ask you that. Short of those two questions, you don't know what I'm going to ask you. And my first question, let's, let's get right down to the bottom of it. What do you say to somebody who says, Nikki, you were not homosexual. You were not born gay. Do you believe that homosexual people are born that way? Well, I truthfully believe that there are some people that may be born with lustful desires that are contrary to God's original plan. I think that we saw that, we see that in the Bible when it talks about people, you know, men sleeping with men, women sleeping with women. So I think that it is quite possible. I have heard Several people share their testimonies of finding freedom and that they desired the same sex from a very young age. I've also heard lots of people say due to sexual abuse, they, you know, they decided or, or whatever seeds were planted because of that sexual encounter that, you know, their molester was the same sex and therefore they came at it that way. I can only presume to know my story, but I do know tons of stories similar to mine where young girls are feeling peer pressured and because it's so exciting acceptable, this try anything bisexuality that many girls that may have never even given it a second thought 
50 years ago because 50 years ago, it wasn't something you bragged about. 50 years ago, it was kind of a little bit embarrassing, but now it's like people wear it as a, well, they do. They wear a pride shirt, love is love, and they wear it like a badge of armor. Like it's, it's a great thing. And, um, I'm here to share that when I wanted out, my husband, through the love of God, showed me a better way, a way where I am truly happy, a way where I am truly fulfilled. Right. Now, I'm going to invite everybody listening right now to go look at a few shows back when you were the guest. You're Nikki Thompson, T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N, and I want them to listen to your first appearance on this show. You were married. You got a divorce. You were divorced from your husband for four years. You remarried your husband after four years after he had a life-changing, life-enhancing religious encounter. He put away his childish things. He became a man. He became somebody you truly admired, a changed person, and that in turn instilled change within you that you had to get drug into kicking and screaming. And it was in that time period when you changed that you gave up drugs and you gave up homosexual behavior. Am I on the right track? What am I missing here? You're not missing anything. That 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 is the synopsis of our last chat, and is absolutely what happened. Absolutely what happened. Now, I think we were going to dive into a little bit of the the dark season and and kind of maybe what happened with that and and where those thoughts came from for me from my own experience with homosexuality. Right now, you will openly admit to anyone that asks you, just like you mentioned before, if they want to know, were you homosexual? You're going to answer to that. Yes. Yes, I was. And you're, you're making that statement based upon the fact that for a while in your life was the only sexual attraction you had to women or the entire time you were attracted to women, you were still attracted to men too. That I'm a little unclear there. So yes, Definitely bisexual, definitely bisexual, but my attraction for women was precedent in that season of my drug use. So it's, it's kind of a little confusing and I share really openly in my book, but because of, because of some abuse and some um, scary situations I found myself in with dominant men, those thoughts from that gentleman that I spoke of earlier came back to me that a woman will never hurt you. And I remember that thought playing in my mind. I wouldn't have to be afraid of a woman like I could be afraid of a man. And I had been raped at the beginning of my drug use after um, my husband and I had separated. And because of that, I, I became very fearful of men. And so I found in my homosexual lifestyle, my lesbians, when I started sleeping with women, that in the drug world, it was something that really excited men. And I could use it to manipulate them. I had started going to swingers clubs, to underground swingers clubs. I had a couple of men that were methamphetamine manufacturers. They made meth for me and supplied me 
and were more than happy to supply me just because of the thought that they might get to see an encounter between me and one of my girlfriends, me and one of my lovers. Um, I had gotten very debaucherous. That means just I was deceived. I was um, living a really twisted life of sin, and I don't want it to sound like I'm bragging about it because I'm not. I know that I was just like the Bible talks about how God turns us over to our reprobate minds, and that's what had happened. I had gone very dark in my drug addiction. I was using the needle, which is, you know, something that I had sworn I would never do. I was sleeping with married men for drugs. Then, of course, I had typically four to six girlfriends at a time is about what I averaged. I had multiple girlfriends. They all knew about each other, and I thought that I I was, without sounding prideful, I thought that I had like arrived at this level of intelligence where I kept everybody on the same page. They all knew about each other. I wanted to be the female version of Hugh Hefner. I thought that I could have sell adult toys, buy pills, make methamphetamine, go to swingers clubs, pick up people, hook up with people, have orgies or threesomes or whatever I wanted. And it is by the sheer grace of God that I did not end up sex traffic in pornography because I thought that I wanted to be in pornography. I thought that those women enjoyed their lives. Like I was on a highway to hell and it was a fast moving train that hit the wall of my husband when he got out of prison. There's no other way to describe it. Like for about six months, I lived in total darkness and I thank God that my husband got out when he did. Right. Now I've had uh, prior cover girls for Playboy. I've interviewed them. I've had had them on my shows in the past. It's not all the U Hefner lifestyle was not really as perfect as one would think. The relationship Relationships there were generally very short term and in some cases one night only affairs. I really yes. do not envy Mr. Hefner, may he rest in peace, for the relationships that he had. You don't need to be a billionaire or a multimillionaire like he was to obtain a one night only stand. A- anybody can do that. I question whether his, re- yeah, his relationships were no better than the average Joe on the street. Will you go along with that? Absolutely. I agree agree 100% because I wasn't getting that emotional connection of real love. I was just getting instant gratification. And that's all I, I was instant gratification in my drug use, instant gratification in the attention that I was seeking from others and the way that I could manipulate them and control them and instant gratification with sexual encounters. I would think. And that's all it was. Yeah, I would think that when you had the Playboy Mansion West out there in California, You had the Playboy Mansion East. I believe that was in Chicago. And you had playmates living there that, of course, Mr. Hefner would have uh, friendships with those gals. They were staying at his homes, in effect. But as far as the long-term aspect of uh, of the relationships that he had, there he was really not that much uh, different than anyone else in life. He would have that one gal. 
and the relationship would break up eventually. And then he'd have others there that it was not really a a love relationship at all. I would call it a friendship. Was he a playboy? I'm sure he probably was a playboy. He was the man who made millions off that Playboy franchise and and more power to him. It was a successful business, but I don't envy the man. You when you have that kind of money, you're going to get Nikki the hangers honors as I call them. You know, people that are just sitting there because he is who he is. They're not there cuz they really care about him. When he gets sick and he's in the hospital, only the party that loves him is going to be by his side. Will you say right on to that? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And that and that was the life that I lived when I didn't have drugs to give or I didn't have something to offer. Trust and believe there were plenty of lonely moments where it was scavenging, trying to figure out what the next high was going to be, how I was going to be able to provide or get to the next the next fix. That's what it is. You are chasing the next fix, whether it be that instant gratification of the drugs or the instant gratification of the sex or the, it, I mean, and there at the end, I, I feel like we spoke about this, but maybe we didn't. I remember after my first homosexual encounter, like I had watched lesbian porn for about a year before I actually went out and slept with a woman. But after the first time that I slept with a woman, I remember something shifting in my mind. And it was like, I felt like all of these senses came alive because all of a sudden I was noticing now when women noticed me. But then there was almost like, and I describe it how, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, we used to, a woman would be called a slut if she slept around in high school, but a a football player or a jock got a notch in his belt. Well, it was like I was that jock. I had this, this dominance to me where I was looking for the next notch in my belt. And it wasn't really about picking up a pretty one night stand. It was almost about, hmm, I see her. It looks like she has a boyfriend. I wonder if I can turn her. There was a challenge in it for me. And that is a very scary and dark world when you're starting to intentionally, because I never wanted to sleep with a married man. I didn't want to be, I had been cheated on. I didn't want to become that. And once I became that and started sleeping with the married dope man and then started sleeping with women, then I started looking at who could I turn? What was a challenge? And and that's, I mean, looking back, that's evil. It's horrible that there are people that, and I was one of them. And for a while, it was just, what could Nikki get? And how quickly could she get it? That is not really the way to live. I'll say that. And what's going on on these these actresses that openly admit, say, well, I am gay. I, I am I am homosexual. And they, they wear it like a badge of honor. But if you look at their past, they have grown children. They have children yeah. above the age yeah. of 21, two or three of them. Now, they are not truly gay if they have three grown children and they were married before. They may have discovered exactly. homosexuality at a later point in their life, but they you cannot use the argument there that they were born gay. You see what I'm saying? 
Exactly. And, and that's why, and that's why I say, I mean, it's definitely that I was bisexual because I was sleeping with both, but my struggle. So, so let's be honest. And I say I'm delivered. Okay. And, and we talked about this last time I recall it, but there are certain things I will not do in order to stay delivered. Guess who's not watching lesbian porn in order to stay delivered from sleeping around? Guess, guess who's not watching porn, period? Me. I don't, I don't watch that stuff. I don't entertain it. Guess who's not at clubs where girls are dancing all over each other? And so I told you last time, you know, if someone struggles with a food addiction, they don't need to work in a bakery. If somebody struggles with an alcohol addiction, they don't need to be a bartender at Applebee's. And so if someone struggles with a lust addiction, they definitely don't need to be witnessing very sensual things, but it may even be, they may not need to be a lifeguard. They may not be able to work at a gym and watch people work out because that could cause them to struggle. Now, I'm blessed that I can fully function in society and I don't have crazy thoughts like I used to. And so I can function in society, but I have known many porn addicts many sex addicts who have a hard time walking into a room with lots of people without having bad thoughts. And in every man's battle, it simply says some men have to walk around looking at the floor. Well, believe it or not, there's women too now that struggle with lust and porn, and they have to keep their eyes averted as well. I personally don't have to. I can I can see God's creation and beauty, and, and I don't struggle with it. But again, I don't go anywhere where there's a lot of sensual activity because I don't want to try to awaken anything that I am intentionally dying to every day. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And here is another thing that happened years and years ago, back when Playboy was a paper magazine. I don't believe that exists anymore on paper, the printed version. I believe they have a version of it online now. But years ago, they say, well, Playboy was known in addition to the obvious things that people liked it, especially men. It was known for the fact that some of their literary articles were very well done. And people, for example, just one thing they used to do, they used to put the Playboy Orchestra together and they'd pick the best saxophone players. They'd pick the best horn men, the best guitarists, the best drummers. And they put this this imaginary band together and their artists would create the whole big band on stage with Jimi Hendrix on guitar or whoever else they picked. Oh, it was an imaginary band, but it was a wonderful, wonderful thing that people like to read. And some of the things that drew attention to you, Hefner's Playboy, was the fact that they had interviews and one such interview years ago was President Jimmy Carter from Georgia. Yeah. And there was controversy because President Carter, in his interview with Playboy, he said, if you lust, and he took this out of the Bible, if you lust after a woman in your heart, you may as well have just lusted against someone 
in the flesh. It The Bible says, I believe he said, it's the same thing. So therefore, if he lusted after a woman in his heart, the Bible says, you have sinned. It's the same thing as lusting after them in the flesh. So you've lusted after both men and women in your heart? Yes. So pre, pre, and, and I just talked about this. I had a women's conference this past weekend and we discussed soul ties. And I said, I don't really struggle with lust now, but pre my um, divorce, I had never struggled with lust for women. I, I, I could see a woman and say, oh, she's pretty, but never thought anything sexual whatsoever. And since my remarriage for the past 16 and a half years, and I talk very openly about this in my book, Fifty Shades of Truth, that when my husband and I were trying to be intimate, after I quit the drugs, I quit porn, I quit sexually acting out, we were remarried, we were in a committed relationship, and I was trying to follow God as best I could. I still had thoughts of past encounters with women. I didn't replay any men that I had slept with. I didn't think about any any man-on-girl pornography that I had watched. I really struggled with lustful images of the lesbian porn I had watched or lesbian activity that I had taken part of, which, of course, again, I'm saying lesbian, but we know I was bisexual. We know that I've done both. So what I'm saying is 16 years ago, after I got clean, after I walked away from that lifestyle, it still took me about two years to quit having those thoughts and and what it was, because I don't think anybody was really talking about it. If I'm honest, Rick, I don't, I would have never gone and talked to my, you know, 50 year old pastor and said, when my husband and I are making love, I, I think about other women, what is going on? It, that wasn't something 16 years ago that anyone was talking about. And so I learned that when the scripture talks about take every thought captive and bring it into the obedience of the truth of God's word, what that means is when I'm making love to my husband and Satan hands me thoughts about other women, I can redirect my thought process and say, thank you, God, that I am a faithful wife and that I am married to my husband and that we are here in this marriage bed reminding ourselves of our covenant covenant to one another. And I can redirect those thoughts. I can just simply say my husband's name, you know, that there are tools that we can use to not sit there and lustfully fantasize about other people. That is not how God intended biblical marriage to look. But I didn't know that. And so for two years, I was tormented on whether or not I was freed or not. And that's why I can stand here and say to you, I 100% know that I have been delivered, but I have a role to play in dying to my flesh. I have a role to play in that. So as far as what I've struggled with lustfully now, since my remarriage of my husband, I didn't struggle with an attraction for other men at all. I didn't think about other men at all. I only thought about other women. And it wasn't until a couple of years in that I was able to realize that. The, so in the Bible, it says that God will give you beauty for your ashes. That means something burns up. The bad burns up. But what the enemy likes to do is he likes to pour, pour lighter fluid and keep it going. And he likes to rekindle that fire for
for you. And that's why you have these thoughts of these past sexual encounters. And that's why when someone walks by you, all of a sudden you get a smell. You remember the guy you, you know, you were with at prom night in the back of a car. Or, you know, all of a sudden you see someone in your mind plays tricks on you. There's a Christian rapper that says it takes a moment to make a memory, but a lifetime to forget it. And so we have to work diligently to think right thoughts, to dwell on things that are pure, holy, and lovely. And when the enemy throws those fiery darts at us, to kick them back, to not allow that fire to rekindle something that that God didn't place in us. And so that's what my book is about, sharing that, that seeds are planted every day, good seeds and bad seeds. What are you going to water? What do you want to grow in your life? What do you want to grow in your marriage? What do you want to grow in your children? I want a legacy that shows that I fought for my marriage and that I had a happy marriage. It's not fake. What, what, I, what I experienced with my husband is magical and beautiful, and I love it. I don't, did that answer it? I kind of went on a rabbit trail. No, 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 no. You're an excellent speaker, Nikki. And what I want to advise everyone, we're at the halfway point already. I want to tell them that your book is entitled 50 Shades of Truth. That's the numeric number five, the numeric number zero, five zero shades of truth.com. The book from our guest today, Nicole Thompson, T H O M P S O. O-N. Nicole Thompson wrote 50 Shades of Truth. Go to her website, 50shadesoftruth.com, and you can get the book. You can get the book on Amazon. You can get the book. I believe it's available on other platforms other than that. We're going to tell you about all of them at the end of the show. But what if one of your nine children that you have with your husband and you in your blended families one or more of them says, Mom, I'm, I, I think I'm gay. I think I'm bi. What are you going to advise your child at that point? That's not God's best for you. I love you. You are not your sin, and there's nothing you can do to stop me from loving you, but that is not God's best for you. Because I want to maintain an open relationship with all of my kids, and I want them to know that I am a safe place for them to come and talk to, and I don't love them because of what they do or what they label themselves or the world labels themselves as. But I'm, I I don't believe that that is God's best or God's intention for anyone. You love your children unconditionally. Absolutely. All right. So you'll do what is necessary from an intelligent point of view to dissuade them and hope you could bring them to be delivered out of it like what happened to you. Absolutely. And we discussed this last time, too, and I want to make this clear. My husband and I lead a Celebrate Recovery. I don't go into local bars and scream at everyone that they're alcoholic drunks and they should find the light because a person forced against their will is of the same opinion still. And so for my children... Until they come to the place where they want what I have, they may make choices that I wish that they wouldn't. I have had, we have had children struggle with addiction. We have had children to get arrested. We have had children with sexual sin in their life. We live in a fallen world and great parents raise kids who struggle and cruddy parents raise great kids. There's no rhyme or reason for it. However, I 
know that if I speak truth over them, and if I know I have an open line of communication waiting for them, that one day, just like the prodigal son, they will know that that their father and I have a safe home that they can come home to. There's nothing they could do that would stop us from loving them or wanting to help them, but we're not going to enable them. I'm not going to coddle them and say, it's okay, you were born that way. There's a song, Rick, I don't know if you've ever heard that song. I can't help it. I was born this way. It's it's basically like the gay anthem. And if you watch the music video, they equate it to women's right, African-Americans right, and then gay right. And I want you to know that my mom ran for state representative back in the 70s. She was one of the first people in Minnesota, one of the first women to ever run. And so I'm all about women's rights. My mom and dad adopted my oldest brother, who is an African-American, who's 52 years old. So guess what? 50 years ago, when they brought my brother into an all-white town, there was plenty of racism. There was pl- I've seen it. I've had bricks thrown through my window. And there are some things you cannot change, regardless what medical doctors pretend to say about taking hormones and this and that. You are born a man or a woman, and you are born white or black. Everything else after that is a choice. We make the choice whether we are a leech on society or we go get a job. We make the choice whether we want to sleep around or we want to be faithful in our marriage. We make the choice whether we want to raise up our children and put our life on hold or whether we want to give them up for adoption, whether we want to have an abortion, whatever it is. We Everything after being born a male or woman, black or white, everything after that is a choice. So for them to have that song, I can't can't help it. I was born this way. If that was the truth, I would still have a needle in my arm 16 years later. But you can change. You can change. I'm living proof. And so when I was saying earlier, a person forced against their will is of the same opinion still. My husband and I don't go rant and rave in the gay bars or in the in the regular bars or I don't run into the trap house and tell everyone turn or burn because I firmly believe that a person has to want what I have. I can't force it on them. And that's what I'm here for. That's why I'm on your show. If one person is listening and they want what I have and they they haven't believed that it was possible, I want them to reach out and email me. I want them to find me on Facebook. I want them to read my book. I want them to know that there is freedom and it is available and God is no respecter of person. He can and will do for anyone out there what he's done for me. I'm not trying to force people to believe what I believe, but for those who are seeking and when my kids are seeking, I want them to know that I'm here with open arms. What is that email address for people to contact you? Nikki Thompson, T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N. Give them your email, Nikki. Absolutely. It is 50, the number 50, Shades of Truth Book, B-O-O-K, at gmail.com. 50 Shades of Truth Book at gmail.com. Right. My website. 50shadesoftruth.com. They can click on there to email me. They can find me on social platforms. Again, it's all about sharing the hope and the freedom that I have found. It is available. You can be delivered. Right. They'll probably blow up your email and you can forward them to me. I'll tell you what, I had to empty my box out. I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready for you, Nikki. Because people, and you know what? I don't don't mind having healthy conversations with them. It doesn't bother me. Anytime you're (laughs) around men and women who are gay, I don't care either gender. 
gender. It is not in any way, shape, or form uncommon for you to find that the woman or the man, they have children. I've told you that earlier. Hollywood starlets. They have children, but they openly say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm in a same-sex relationship. They were not born that way. Hence, the children from a prior marriage. You can switch your lifestyle to become that at a later date. And what you're saying is you can switch your lifestyle to become straight if you will, if I could use that term as well. If you can switch over to become gay, you can switch back and become straight. Is this basically your message today? Absolutely. And not only that, I don't want to limit it to that, Rick, but but when someone has submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, maybe they switch their lifestyle to be celibate, and that's their cross to bear, to be alone. Maybe they aren't attracted to the opposite sex, and so they're willing to die to their flesh and not sleep around like they have in the past, and they choose to be celibate, and they choose to be alone. Singleness is not bad. Marriage is not the goal for me. The goal for me is to be pleasing to God. But in my marriage, I want to be pleasing to God, and I do love my husband. But there may be some that walk out of the LGBTQ community that are single for a while. Heterosexuality is not the goal for me. It, It really isn't. A personal relationship with Jesus is where I found my freedom. But yes, I do 100% believe that whether you are lesbian now or are bisexual or trisexual or fluid or whatever, all these one million words describing what you are, I do 100% believe that you have the ability to change, whether that be to be in a heterosexual relationship, to be married, to have children, or or to be alone. I do believe that you do not have to be led by your feelings. Because if you had to be led by your feelings, let me throw this out. What about all the people that feel like they should murder people or rob banks or commit crimes? Should we just open the jails because they can't help it? They have feelings that they should do those things. They can't help it. That's who they are. Why do we have prisons then? Right. You know, that's why I've I've preached for years. You cannot allow this vigilanteism of, well, they ought to be killed. And then you let people go ahead and kill people because they're, they're trained vigilantes and they take the law into their own hands. Because if we did that, Nikki, we'd all be dead. We've all made yeah. someone mad at some point in our lives. And if it's legal, to kill someone, for heaven's sake, you'd be dead, I'd be dead, my parents would be dead, everybody'd be gone because yep. somebody would say, well, they made me mad, I, I I, was defending my honor, so forth and so on. Nonsense. You cannot use that type of force and get away with it, thank God, in this country. And by the way, I hate to say it, but there are times in this country, as much as we are against vigilanteism, there are times, unfortunately, where people have committed these type of atrocious acts and have gotten away with it. And I'm not proud of that at all. This country is not perfect, but I'll tell you what, there are other countries uh, a hell of a lot worse off than we are in that department. That doesn't make what we have wrong right, but there's sin everywhere, Nikki. And we have to recognize it and do our best to rise above it. And you're saying when you 
took and dedicated your marriage to each other again, led by the conversion back to a Christian lifestyle of your husband who reached out to you and said, would you like to give this marriage a second chance? You said, yes, you did that. But you also said uh, you ha- you struggled with it at first. You had relapses. Yes. Yes. So um, when Tony first showed up, and asked me if I was sick and tired of being sick and tired and if I wanted what he had. And I did. I desperately wanted that. I I do hope that if they're listening to this episode, they've listened to the one prior where we talk about him showing up and him just having such self-control and peace when I was in a chaotic crap storm. Like I was doing drugs on the needle, living with a woman just not not being who who he knew that I could be. And I wanted what he had. He was paroled out to Kankakee, Illinois, and I was living in Evansville, Indiana. And when I was with him, Rick, I was strong enough to stay sober. I was strong enough not to go back to the relationship. But as soon as I would leave Kankakee, as I was driving home to Evansville, I would get a phone call from an ex-girlfriend, or I would get a phone call about a party with free drugs. You know, it's funny when you're broke and you want to get high, you find yourself doing things to get high that you're super ashamed of. But when you want to get clean, all of a sudden the drugs are free. Why is that? Because there is a target on your back and the enemy doesn't want to lose you from his kingdom of darkness. And so all of a sudden the parties were free, the drugs were free, the women were free, and I relapsed three times after making a commitment to get my stuff together. Because in and of myself, I I didn't have the strength. I didn't understand the thinking, thinking. I didn't understand the target on my back. But once I relocated and I left Evansville, May 29th of 2006 was the last time I ever used meth, the last time I ever sexually acted out. And and I had sexually acted out the night before. I had shot up the night before. I left town. Like I I was had my room packed knowing that I was going to re, you know, be with my husband, that we were going to get married, that I was going to start this life over and it was just like, well, one last wild fling, I guess. But it was It was just that bonded that I was in. And it wasn't until I relocated and started reprogramming my mind. There was a movie, a show that came out in 06 that I loved. It was called The Big Love. And it was a, or Love Big, or I can't remember. It was Showtime, HBO, something. And the guy had four or five wives. And I literally, at that time in 2006, previous to my husband getting out, because I had all the girlfriends, I thought, man, if I could move to where you could have multiple spouses. I could have multiple wives. And at that time, you know, gay marriage wasn't even a thing yet. But I mean, I just, I, I thought, oh, this is what I want. But again, it goes back to the deadening of your senses. What you're continuing to feed your mind is what you will accept and what you will tolerate. And so when I was in Evansville, I was in this cesspool of people who were sleeping around, who were doing drugs and who were not fighting for their families. And when my husband and Jesus plucked me out of the fire and moved me to Kankakee, Illinois, I was circled by people who loved God, were 
were praying for me were working, functioning people in society. My husband, who was my shield for a very long time, and I had my three boys and, and we were training them up. And, and gradually, God poured into me ways to fight the enemy. Like I said, the first couple of years I battled with, with thought, lustful thought, lustful memories. But as you grow in your walk with the Lord, you learn what a trigger is for you and how to avoid those triggers. It doesn't make me a bad person. It doesn't mean I'm not delivered. It just means I'm not an idiot. Right. Now, when you give your speeches throughout the country, when you speak, do audience members stand up and ask a question and just flat out right tell you, hi, Nikki, I'm gay. I'm bi. Can you can you help me? I haven't had someone just stand up in, in the middle like that. I have had people come up to me privately asking me to pray with them. Them, work with them, message them, give them the steps that I've taken, ask for help and counsel. I've had all kinds of crazy, different, odd things. You know, a young girl struggling with porn anime. I didn't know anime had porn. I mean, there. I do get questions afterwards, but I haven't had anyone stand up in the middle. But I am typically speaking at places where people want what I've got. Recovery meetings, rehab, churches, places that know my specialty. So I haven't really had that, but I have been able to mentor multiple people walking out of homosexuality or bisexuality or sex addiction slash pornography to have faithfully committed lives. And yes, they I have had several victories walking alongside mentoring other women. Now, your first homosexual experience was after you had divorced your husband and you were in that four-year area of your life where you were divorced. Was that the first time yes. this this had happened? Yes. And how did you feel after that very first time? Did you say to yourself, you know what, this isn't right, uh, this isn't me? Or did you say, you know, this is the best thing ever happened? to me. I don't need men anymore. Uh, they're doing nothing but I, I, bringing me down. I love this better. How did you feel? I think kind of the latter. Honestly, I was I was emboldened. I all of a sudden it seemed like I noticed when women were noticing me more and for a little while I stuck with I slept with other women who I knew were lesbian. There was a lesbian bar in Evansville that I went to to pick up but many women had made passes at me in the past but I just didn't notice it. But when I after my first encounter, my very first sleeping with a girl, I just became a, a I guess, a bisexual slut where I slept with lots of women. I thought it was the best thing ever. I thought I, and again, I thought I was liberated. I thought I was enlightened because I wasn't going to be held like, and I, I could quote scripture. I could twist it. Well, God's a God of love and God wants me to be happy. And the Bible says he wants me to have the desires of my heart. And I could take pieces of scripture and twist them to mean what I wanted them to. Right. Well, I'll tell you, there was a... A gentleman, he refers to himself as the architect of rock and roll. I don't know if you know who that is, but he was one of the greats in the business. He defined and helped build what we now call 
rock and roll, and his name was Little Richard. Does that name mean anything to you? Have you ever heard of him? Yes, I have. Little Richard was associated for years with gay behavior, homosexual behavior. I don't believe he ever came out and openly admitted it because back in his era, that was just not something that you did. But people looked at the way he dressed, at the way he acted, at the things he did. And even Little Richard himself said that as racist as the business was when he came out with his first hit, which was Tutti Fruity. Yeah, a wop babaloo bop, a wop bamboo. Tutti Fruity. That was a big hit for him. He says back then in the old South, the good old boys South, people would see him live and they would basically leave the good old boys, would leave him alone saying, ah, that's Richard. He's just what he is. And they were not threatened by him. They perceived him to be homosexual, only wanting a male but he said when they went and saw his band members who were african-american of course talking to the white girls he said that is when he experienced a whole lot of problem and i bring that up because little richard is not with us anymore he's got on to be with the lord he dedicated his life as a minister as a pastor to spreading the good word And one of the final interviews that he ever did was him coming out saying that when he read the Bible, it finally hit him. And he said the Bible talked about a relationship of love between Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. And he renounced homosexuality and he passed away as a person who advised others not to get into it. And your comments on that if you will. That's powerful. You know, when the when the light comes on and you're made aware that the Bible does specifically talk against homosexuality and it talks against a whole array of things we're not supposed to try to do. And so, you know, I find it the when you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. And I like to think that that four years when I was separated from my husband and when I was on drugs, we were divorced. I drank, I did drugs, I partied and, and I lived in sexual immorality, period, um, that I was deceived. And I was believing a lie. And I'm sure that he was deceived and believing a lie. But all of a sudden, truth penetrated his heart and a light came on that God created man and woman to procreate, to reproduce, populate the earth, to be with one another, to love one another. And when when people see that and realize that, that is the reason why Jesus Christ and his bride, the church, why the marriage represents that, a man and a woman. And I think that the more we're able to have these hard conversations, but very real conversations filled with truth. And when we realize we cannot change our theology, we cannot change the Word of God to fit what we want to do. We have to change what we do to represent the Word of God. And that's what happened to him. At the end, he realized that it was one man and one woman, Adam and Eve. And and that's beautiful, and that's truth. And that's when the scales come off the eyes, and that reprobate mind becomes alive, and a heart of stone turns to a heart of flesh, and a person's reborn. And, and that's my hope for everyone, that they would at least be open 
to hearing the truth. And if they want to turn away from it, then then that's their choice. But I'm going to share the truth in love with as many people as I can for as long as I can. Now, what about the great performer Madonna, who has raised along with the late actress Elizabeth Taylor, Elton John, and others, others who have raised out of their own unselfishness and their own work and their own reputation, multi-millions and millions of dollars to help the world eliminate AIDS and say, here, here's blank million. Now go out, let's get a cure for this. Madonna was behind that. Elizabeth Taylor, the actress, Elton John has done tremendous work in that department. And a lot of people will say, even though I'm not gay, allow them to have their lifestyle. They're not bothering anyone. If Elton John wants to be gay, you know what? He's done a lot of good. If a man is going to unselfishly raise however many multi-millions of dollars he's raised and say, I don't want this money. I'm giving it to help cure AIDS. So the next generation and the generation after that doesn't have to deal with it. I, I cannot help but say, sir, thank you for what you've done. And if he wishes to live that life, Nikki, I can understand where he would say, accept me as a good person. I'm doing well by society. You may not agree with it, but allow me the decency of living my life without slanderous accusations and and hatred because I don't hate anyone. Does this make sense? You're not, you don't hate the gay community. You're saying they're misled. Is this what I'm getting at? Yes. Yes. I do not hate the gay community. And I I wouldn't have anything slanderous say about any of them because I still struggle no matter what. Everyone struggles with something. No one's perfect or, or blemish-free in front of God the Father. We all struggle in some area. Uh, but what I would say is that it's one thing if someone says, just let me live my life. But then it's another thing when you see this huge push for indoctrination into our schools. And that's where my heart is breaking. That is, and, and so for me, what has happened is we've removed the Bible from the school. We've said, Christians, be quiet. You can't share your views. Okay. Then, you know, that kind of sucks, but okay. And now we're saying, it, it's not what Elton John is saying. I'm a good person. Just let me live my life. I do good in the world. Now we're saying, let's let not only indoctrinate our children, but let's Let's start talking about things like masturbation with grade school children. Let's start sexually exploiting. Let's start let's start allowing children planting seeds that maybe you're not a boy, you know, because you're painting your nails. Why can't it just be that he's going to be a loving father one day to daughter? Or if a little boy is is cooking and enjoys cooking and baking, maybe he's going to be the next great chef. It doesn't necessarily mean that we need to give him hormone. And, and so I realize that's a huge leap. But if it was just let me be me and you be you, and that's the end of it, I would be quiet. But I feel like the children are being indoctrinated and pushed on this whole lesbian, gay, bisexuality, transgender, this agenda that takes away from the biblical family. When studies prove that the biblical family 
has has higher happiness, has less suicide. I mean, the typical, is there bad eggs in every batch? Absolutely. And so if, if they wanted to just do their own and, and be left alone, that would be great. But why are Christians being sued because they don't want to do cakes and gay weddings? Why are Christian photographers being put out of business? Why are they being targeted? I'm not, I personally am not targeting any gays, but my fellow Christians are being targeted. And I do know that there are gays that are being targeted. I do know that there are churches that are wrong in how they are asserting truth because they're not doing it with love and grace. And so it stinks that there's those people on both sides of the fence. And and I'm not out to hurt anyone. I'm just the biggest part of the LGBTQ community is not just let me live my life and I'll leave you alone. You just live your life. I wish it were that, but it's not that anymore. And too many Christians have been silent for too long. So I will share my voice. Well, it's so non-Christians won't understand the Jezebel spirit, but you asked me, and I've said it twice, I'm going to say it a third time. You asked me what it felt like after I slept with that first woman and a spirit of lust and a spirit of division and a spirit of I'm going to take what I want regardless of the cost came over me. And all of a sudden, I was willing to try to turn happily married women against their husbands for a notch in my belt. I know for a fact, maybe not all homosexuals, maybe not all bisexuals are in it for themselves. But I know what came over me. And I know that we traveled in packs at the swingers club and at the gay bars. And we were trying to indoctrinate and pull in as many people as we could for a big old fashioned sex fest. And so Elton John may be fantastic in helping people with the money he raises. Madonna may be fantastic with like what she's doing, but there is a push to desensitize our youth and our children and, and to push this, which is contrary to the plan of God. And I'm here to stand up and say, I won't be silent. I was there. I was a bully. And I'm not going to stand by and watch Christians get bullied. I will not push my views on anyone. I'm just here to help, but I don't have to be silent. You can't silence me. Okay. One more thing before we get out of here. There have been occasions where a couple, married couple, has gotten a divorce. That has put an anti-male thought in the woman's mind who feels she was mistreated. She was lied to. She was, um, well, call it whatever you like. She's disheartened and she'll go to the younger male child if they had a son and promote the homosexuality, as you're saying, and actually be a a pro-gay party saying, ah, you don't need to act like he did. Why do this, 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 the, and, and they'll, they'll deliberately bring up and a gay son and promote that lifestyle to the child because she's disheartened as to the loss of her husband, which ruined her world in her mind. Have you ever seen this? And what do you say about a woman who, in my opinion, is making a serious, serious mistake when they do that? I've seen some similar things, and there's a saying in Celebrate Recovery, hurt people hurt people. And it's as simple as that, hurt people hurt people, but healed people heal people. 
and we have got to want better for our children. And unfortunately, if a hurt person doesn't go out there and get the help and the healing that they need from the rejection they felt, from the damage, from the wounds, from the emotional scars, from whatever, I'm a, I am a huge advocate for counseling. Christian counseling, of course, but I am a huge advocate for Christian counseling. I am a huge advocate, of course, for the Celebrate Recovery, working the 12 steps, um, dealing with our past, not shoving it under a rug not pretending like it didn't happen and it doesn't exist, but not letting it hold you back. And so for those parents, I I just really would be praying for them for this, mm, trying to choose my words wisely. For this, I mean, for for them to see that they could potentially be damaging their children more and causing more harm by the hatred in their heart. A lot of times, revenge means I'm taking, I'm, I've got rat poison in my hand and I'm eating it, thinking that it's going to hurt the other person, and it doesn't. And what we're doing is we're hurting our own children. And so I. I feel sad for that situation. Have I had parents come in that have accidentally damaged their children because they're damaged? I see it every week. I go to court advocating for parents often. Hurt people hurt people. And it's sad and it's horrible. But um, prayer is what's going to change it. The love of God is what's going to change it. Right. They may have been married to a male that despised homosexuality. They used slurs every time they referred to it. They they hated it. The wife then got a divorce after she discovered that male, her husband, cheating on her. The marriage is over, and and she's saying, well, I'll fix him. And they have a little grade school child that she's going to suddenly bring up and raise as gay. Now, is that not as selfish and inconsiderate and downright dumb as you can get? It's horrible. It's, it's horrible. horrible. It's disgusting. But we see it all the time. There was a father on house arrest in Canada because the wife was going to change the little boy into a little girl and he spoke out. And in Canada, it's against the law to speak out about homosexuality. Look, in Canada, if if people are struggling with pornography, they can go get help. But if they're struggling with homosexual pornography, it is against the law for a church, for a counselor, for anyone to help them. So what you're talking about is happening. And, and I think it's happened in Texas. I think we've seen several court cases where it's happening. And it's horrible. It's evil. It is. It's wrong, but hurt people hurt people. And I mean, and unless we can get into the judicial system, put a stop on what's going on with these children, and you know, yes, children have rights, but I mean, it. it I, I don't know the solution to it yet. I, I'm with you wanting to find one out, though, Rick, because it's <laughs> wrong. A parent should not use the child as a tool to get back at the at the other parent. We need to learn how to healthily co-parent. And when a woman is hurt or scorned, the last thing she should do is encourage life-altering changes to a child or sexually, like the promotion of homosexuality that, for me, I never thought about being with a woman till I was with a woman. And then I was plagued with it for almost 10 years. I struggled. So, I mean, I know that that mom doesn't realize the gateway that she's opening up for that poor child. She surely can't realize the damage she's doing. She's just hurt. It's demonic. Yeah, yeah. She's hurt. She's hurt. And uh, I guess that one of these days she'll wake up and somebody will, I hope, get to her and say, ma'am, what you're doing is not the correct thing to do. But right now at this time in her life, Nikki, she probably doesn't want to hear that. She's the one who needs to quit drinking, but she 
she doesn't want to quit drinking, so she's going to have another drink, you see? Not sick and tired of being sick and tired. We're out of time. Ladies and gentlemen, Nikki Thompson is back with us again. www.50, the number five, the number zero, five zero shades of truth.com. Her book, 50 Shades of Truth. You can get that book on Amazon.com. You can get that book on 50 shades of truth.com. Where else can you get that? At other stores, other places, Nikki. Tell them where, if you wanted to buy the book, where, what would you do? The best option right now is my website or Amazon. We have started in a few small bookstores. I'm in the process with getting it in Barnes and Noble, but there was a huge checklist of things you had to do in order to get it there. I do believe it'll be there by Christmas time, but the best two ways right now are Fifty Shades of Truth or on Amazon, either one of those. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what to say other than thank you to Miss Nikki Thompson. Go out and buy her book, Fifty Shades of Truth. Go to her website, fiftyshadesoftruth.com. Say hello to her if you wish. We gave out her email earlier. I'm going to give out her email again. I'm going to let her do it. What is that email again, Nikki, before we get out of here? It's 50 shades of truth book at gmail.com. So the five zero, the numbers five zero shades of truth book at gmail.com. There we have it. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of our guest today, Miss Nikki Thompson, this is Rick Flynn speaking. It's been fun, but I've got to run. Thank you to each and every person out there for listening to our broadcast. I have a very special announcement I would like to make, and that is the nation in the United States' largest radio broadcasting company, which is called iHeartRadio. They have accepted Rick Flynn Presents. They have accepted our show, Rick Flynn Presents. We are now being carried on iHeartRadio through their podcast division. Go there, listen to it. Any show that we have, more than 100 of them are there. And I just want to thank them for the support. Nikki, what have you got to say before we get out of here real quickly? Well, congratulations on that. That's huge. That's uh, huge. I just want people to know that God is no respecter of person. What he has done for me, he can and will do for you. It doesn't matter if it's drugs. It doesn't matter if it's sex. It doesn't matter if you think your marriage is over. He wants to bring those dry bones back to life. And you can reach out to me and let's walk through it. Let's walk through it together. And I pray that you get hope from knowing what he's done for me. He can and will do for you. Thank you, everyone. Have a good night. New shows every Wednesday. And we'll We'll see you next Wednesday with a brand new show. Thank you. Good night. The preceding was a Rick Flynn production. This is your announcer, Chantal Marie speaking.